When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Welcome to the Politics and Bros podcast. This is episode 15. It's April 23rd, 2020, and we're still sheltering in place. In fact, in Illinois, we've got an additional 30 days of this crap. That's right. We were supposed to be done with this at the end of the month, end of April, and Governor J.B. Pritzker put us to the end of May now. So I'm going to be sheltering in place. Howell, how about you? Pete, are you telling me you're a COVID truther? No, I'm just angry. I'm just sick of I'm just I like I think like most of the country I'm just sick of this crap and I'm just ready to have a normal life again. He's this is all being done for you and for us, okay? We can talk about this later actually. Um yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's uh it's it's certainly depressing, but I don't I mean did you was it come as a real surprise to you? No, I just kind of thought that he would do like maybe to mid-May, like May 15th yeah. or something like that, and e- and then ease up the restrictions. Now, he, they did ease up the restrictions, but it really wasn't like anything, you know, he really didn't ease Five up not a lot. Be, yeah, right. We're essentially going to be living the same existence. Yeah. Well, you know, um, one thing it'll allow people to do is listen to that long-ass podcast we made last time. That's true. With Ryan Mayo. Thanks to Ryan Mayo for joining us. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was fun. Um, I just finished yesterday. I've been listening to it since we recorded, and I just got through with it. Um, <laughs> what took you so long? Got a lot of stuff going on these days. Okay, clearly, clearly. Um, yeah, so um, a lot of days are action packed. They don't feel the same every day. It's not like Groundhog Day at all. Um, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. we got. Uh, got some more coming up but uh still a lot of stuff's going on in the world and in in america i mean everything it's mostly covid related but yeah um we figured that since we have a lot of stuff to talk about we would do another dun, 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 lightning round for yeah. events so as we did previously i'm going to um start my my watch here and give us 10 minutes to go through as many of these topics as we can. Um, Pete predicted before we came on that we would get through three of them. So uh, let's see how we do. All right, let's you do ready? 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 All right. Start timer for 10 minutes. Okay. 10 minutes and counting. Okay. Lightning round begins. All right. So this, I, when I started making this, it, it, it was like over the weekend, but now um, it's it's kind of come and gone. But the first thing I wanted to talk about was the rumors about Kim Jong-un. Now, this is something that kind of me coming from the national security space, foreign policy was very interesting to me. Um, you know, I don't, it sounds like he's probably alive now uh, based on what mm-hmm. I've heard from South Korea, uh, um, but uh, could be huge development if he is in fact um, dead or dying. Uh, did you have any thoughts on, on that as it broke? No, it's just interesting. I mean, I don't know what the, I really don't know what the succession plan is for him. If there was one in place and who's the natural person to take over. He's going to live. Um, what's that? He's told everyone he's going to live forever. So I don't think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. He's like his dad. He he doesn't defecate. He shoots, uh, like, you know, like eight 19. holes in, or eight, like eighteen holes in one, yeah. eighteen rounds or eighteen holes of golf, right? Um, right. Yeah. You know, he was yeah, born no. out of a. He was born from the. He's the. He's the child of a unicorn and a rainbow. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. I mean, if he is dead uh, or dying, um, I mean, it certainly could bring about a period of instability in the, you know, <clears throat> in the Korean 
Peninsula. Uh, I've heard rumors his sister might be the one to take over. I don't know. That that could be – we don't really know much, but um, certainly more instability and uncertainty in this world is not what we need at the moment. So um, something to certainly monitor uh, from people I know who have heard that he was certainly like really fat and like couldn't do anything. He would get tired at the littlest – hint of activity so it all kind of makes sense and he's probably been told he's in perfect health so he doesn't do anything to uh alleviate his bad bad health and so yeah it yeah. certainly can happen um but he's a heavy smoker yeah he's obese and i think i heard somewhere that he's got like a severe case of gout as well yeah yeah it makes sense so. yeah and he's probably got he's got access to the best best health care a dictatorship <laughs> can buy uh in north korea so you know fact um, I think, I think, uh, while it could be a good thing if he, if he does not make it through this. So yeah. for, uh, the, for the good of the stability of the region, I hope, uh, I hope the reports prove to be true. Yeah. Right. And the long-term future, but so right. moving on from that, um, the other night Trump tweeted, uh, I will be signing by executive order, uh, a suspension to all immigration in this country and um, came back, signed the actual order yesterday, I believe, and Mm -hmm. it kind of limits some uh, immigration that was legal immigration that was already ongoing. There's a lot of a lot of loopholes. Um, What did you think of that move? I mean, I haven't really read up on any of the commentary on this and some of the the analyses that are out there, but you know, it's something that would have made a lot more sense at the beginning of COVID and not now. I think right. the timing is interesting. I don't, you know, I think everything that Trump does is political, so I think that's just that's a given. Yeah. But if there was if there was a way to try and push back on that that thought or that idea, he should have done this, you know, eight weeks ago, not you know, not now. It just yeah, you know, it, but then you can't even say that the timing's curious because you—it's Trump, so right. <laughs> you know exactly why he's doing it. But um, I think for the public health officials out there that want to say with a straight face that this was done, you know, to try and stop the spread of COVID, um, then they should have done it four or five, six weeks ago. Well, they even flipped the sort of purpose of it in the middle. Initially, it was to like help alleviate COVID. Then he's like, "Well, it's to save jobs um, for." our good American workers who are struggling yeah. during this time. And someone did, the math. someone did the math that said that like, even if it included all legal green card and legal immigration uh, for 60 days, that's only 170,000 cases. And like, yeah. that's not going to make any difference at all with yeah. what are we at? Like 26 million people unemployed now since this. Yeah. So like that argument is complete shit. But yeah, as, as you kind of say, it's like completely a political calculus for him just trying to like um, play to the, the immigration is, is, is kind of evil uh, base again. Um, but yeah. So the next two are um, kind of uh, spending related, which I know you love. Um, love it. Yeah. So yesterday McConnell on Hugh Hewitt's, I believe it was Hugh Hewitt's radio show suggested that rather than bail out States who are struggling with, their fiscal situations at this time, both red and blue states, by the way, um, mm-hmm. he said maybe we should consider letting them go bankrupt. And uh, I think he used the term even blue state bailout. Um, I, I kind of, I kind of like, I mentioned this to someone and, and, and they were like, well, you know why he says that he's like, cause you can, um, if that happens, you can kind of like break all these union contracts and stuff and, and kind of, um, re renegotiate some of that stuff. Um, I don't know. It, it seemed like a a, a, a pretty um, risky political statement. I, I don't I don't think so. I mean, this has been this has been done before. Now it's a little bit trickier to allow a state to go bankrupt. I think there's I think there's certain constitutional issues there. But you know, Puerto Rico declared bankruptcy and has been navigating their way out of huge fin- financial mess down there. City of Detroit had to declare bankruptcy, and by all accounts, it's you know got them back on you know relatively good financial footing. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, there are, there are a ton of states that are submitting requests to the federal government for you know additional funding, and you know which can be also classified as bailouts. I mean, in Illinois alone. Um, 
you know, the Senate president sent a letter to the congressional delegation, basically asking them to put in a request for $41 billion for the state, which included um, $10 billion to help deal with the pension problem in Illinois. Yeah. Um, now, Illinois' pension problem has nothing to do with COVID. That is from decades of financial mismanagement and overpromising uh, benefits mm-hmm. um, to retirees in the state. Um, so, you know, it's becoming kind of this if if it's anything it might just be mcconnell trying to to deter states from submitting these grandiose over the top requests when we've already paid out trillions of dollars and over the course of four packages i mean today just another 480 billion dollars went out the door um, hey don't get ahead of yourself that's the next one uh, yeah but you know it's but still it's related so i yeah, think no. it's kind of him trying to deter states from going too far down that rabbit hole um but i mean there is evidence out there to support that if, you know, an entity like a state or a city or, or a territory in the case of Puerto Rico declaring for bankruptcy, it actually can uh, put them on good financial footing. Well, two things. Um, first, I'll say I don't think he should have used the term blue state bailout because there's red of course not. red states as well that are um, um, asking for money as well. The other thing um, I saw – Dan Pfeiffer tweet, which was, uh, he's a former Obama official. I think he's actually on, um, uh, that podcast, uh, what's it, pod save the world or whatever it's called pod yeah. pod save America. I'm not he a big said, fan of Dan. Yeah. He said, he said, is McConnell trying to do the Democrats work for them? Because he's like, if we let Pennsylvania, Wisconsin and Michigan go bankrupt kind of plays right into, the, uh, you know, Democrats hand. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but it, it is interesting to think about like, why would he, why would he let sort of those swing States that are up for play um, go into such financial calamity at the moment? But um, I, th- I think he is 100% wrong in that analysis. <laughs> but, what's that? Okay. That, that, that would, if letting it bankrupt would, would benefit the Republicans. Uh, I don't. I don't think it would benefit the Republicans. I don't think it's. It would be a slam dunk to hand it back over to the Democrats. I mean, these are you know honestly a lot of these states that were red that are now run by Democrats. In the case of you know uh, of Michigan, I mean, it's a Democratic governor. It's 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 her it's mm-hmm. her problem at the end of the day. Um, but you know, we'll see. Maybe maybe he's right. I don't think he is. But um, I think McConnell. I, I think McConnell going that way would is. You know, I think, like I said, I think he's probably trying to deter state from states from submitting these over the top requests. Just, but just some messaging, you're saying? Um, I think it's yeah, well, yeah. I think everything is messaging when it comes to McConnell. So I think it's just messaging. But at the end, to to say that it's just to ha- that would just hand over, you know, the president presidential race over to the Democrats. I uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think he was saying it would it would hand it over to him, but it would help them. But I mean, I think what we've mentioned before, and I'm certainly someone who is is somewhat fiscally conservative. Um, but if there is ever a scenario where um, federal government um, should be spending and, and kind of stepping in, I think this national emergency to keep states afloat um, would be an instance of one. But, you know, I obviously don't think that Illinois should throw in its pension problem as well. So I see, you know, what he's saying. He's like, just don't bring us all your problems. Guess what? We're at 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, we got through three. Three, you were right. Yeah. We can keep going. Well, we technically have... we got to four because I brought up the $480 billion package. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I, I have no idea what's in it. I just know that it's for the small business, basically probably like the pay, Paycheck Protection Program extension or is that? Yeah, because the, the package, the, the, the two and a half, well, I think it ended up being closer to like three and a half or $4 trillion package I passed a couple weeks ago. That, that. That Paycheck Protection Program was depleted like almost immediately, um, and a lot of it went to businesses that probably didn't need it. So, right, um, this was a course correction, I think, to pass this to pass this legislation. But the other interesting thing is, you know, in tying back into McConnell and his statements about letting states go bankrupt, is that with this new package of four hundred eighty billion dollars, he's he's basically said, okay, we're shutting off the the spigot now, um, especially just kind of you know, just passing things, not without any true deliberation or right. you know, debate over them. So I think that was the other part of the whole states going bankrupt thing as well. That message is that we we're, we really need to kind of discuss what is the actual priority here, um, or at least what funding, have a little bit more debate over where the funding is going and how much. It's certainly not a good look to realize that like 
you know, Shake Shack and Potbellies and these places yeah. that are, you know, manage like businesses, large businesses and have cash reserves are able to um, sort of violate the spirit of the, the legislation. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, I, 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 you know more about how these kind of emergency bills are, are sort of built and, and, and made. I mean, there's inevitably going to be oversight, but, um, but yeah, like that's not a good look. Well, when things get rushed through this way, there's always unintended consequences. And this is, that's basically what happened when you saw businesses that shouldn't have received them. You know, these were supposed to be going to small businesses, mom and pop shops. But like you said, having people like, you know, restaurant chains like Shake Shake Shack and Potbelly getting all this money isn't really going to, you know, the mom and pop diner in, you know, Main Street USA. Yeah. Um, I just real quickly, um, before we move into kind of the top the topic of the week, um, I did want to just talk about the the oil going into negative territory. Um, mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't understand commodities and how all this stuff fluctuates or whatever. Um, but you know I understand that it's a huge deal and that like people um, it like threatens a lot of the livelihood of a lot of businesses and companies and especially like. Uh, airline companies that hold these these um, stockpiles basically yeah trade trade futures basically yeah exactly um, the I'm I, and I, you know me I'm generally not a conspiracy theorist but <laughs> you, you this this idea that that I don't know if you've noticed this but the last two days Trump started going back and forth with Iran about like uh, threatening them with like uh, you know, war shooting, shooting their boats, uh, sinking their boats if they threaten. Yeah. Um, and then Iran came back and said, we will attack anyone who threatens us or whatever. And yep. I'm like, what are the chances that he's doing that to try to like squeeze the oil, think oil supply just to boost the price just a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to th- use the kiss principle and think that keep it simple, stupid. And that he's, he's, uh, not smart enough to, to sort of connect all those dots. But, um, you know. I mean, the Iran thing did kind of come out of nowhere when yeah, he made that statement. It? I mean, yeah. it did. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to, you know, give any credence. Just throwing or, it out there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I want to give any credence to conspiracy theories, but the, I will say that the whole Iran, we're going to shoot, we're going to sink their boats or whatever. That really did kind of seem like it was out of left field. Right. To that's, be honest. That's, yeah. That's kind of why I thought of that. Yeah. That's really random that that happened. He's saying that that's happening now. Um, I, I like a good black helicopter story. I'll 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 go down that rabbit hole with you. So anyway, um, <laughs> I think oil will stabilize. I did. I read something about like if you wanted to take a barrel of oil right now, you could get like um, they would pay you like. Three thousand dollars or something to take it, yeah. something. But you'd have to have a place to. Someone was doing the math, like a tanker holds X amount of barrels, but a tanker cost, you know, this much to own. So you actually wouldn't make any money if you actually took a tanker and, and took the took the uh, oil. But um, yeah, just crazy stuff happening right now. Yeah, um, yeah. So should we? Uh, dive into the big question on everyone's mind these days. I'm very much ready to do this. Yes, My anger you, is boiling. I know you've been itching to, to do this yourself. So this week, um, we want to talk about the whole discussion around when states should begin reopening or the, the discussing reopening or planning to reopen. Um, so last weekend, there were protest, protest. I should say small protest in a lot of states. Yep. Um, red and Michigan, blue. Ohio, mm-hmm. a couple others. Uh, Tennessee had one. Uh, I saw, <laughs> I saw one gentleman who who was at the protest was interviewed and he was asked, you know, what's so tough or what do you really miss about what do you why do you need this to reopen? He goes, you know what I really miss is. It's free refills. I miss sitting in a in a <laughs> in a in a restaurant getting my free refill. 
And I'm like, yeah, man, that's sacrifice. That's uh, a simple pleasures. But yeah. So, I mean, um, there were protests saying, you know, give me liberty or give me death, you know? Um, and, uh, what did you think about kind of like that little movement? Um, I think, I mean, to some degree, I think a lot of it was, um, I don't want to say it was AstroTurf, but it was definitely um, provoked by interest groups to try and push, you know, people out there to get, to reopen the economy. Um, I think there is a general um, and genuine uh, sense that we need to open up the economy again, and people need to get back to work, and some level of normalcy needs to be reestablished. So I can sympathize. Um, you know, I know that the whole thing is to flatten the curve, but the more and more data that comes out where we really don't know how many people are asymptomatic, you know, infected, but asymptomatic, um, you know, there's been data that came out of Stanford university that showed it's, we're way off and there's way more people that actually had the virus, but weren't showing symptoms. And which means that the, the mortality rate is not 2%. It's more like 0.2% or 0.1%. Um, so as information like that gets out, um, people are going to start to think, well, what the hell are we doing this for still? Um, the risk is not as great if we reopen the economy to some, de- some degree. So I kind of feel like that a lot of that played into it. And, you know, there's people who are generally upset with these certain governors who they feel like their executive orders and stand, you know, shelter in place orders were too restrictive and didn't allow them to do uh, what some other states might be doing. And, you know, there's f- genuine frustration there. I, I totally, I totally agree with that. I totally sympathize with that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I get it. I like, I understand. I, I just think that, um, you know, I, I certainly would love to, um, reopen tomorrow if, if we could, and actually we'll get to that. Georgia is opening tomorrow, but, um, my fear is, is just that, uh, this is what will happen is people will open up and then, We'll, we'll, we'll actually be extending kind of the, the trauma from all of this and the pandemic because there'll be a quick second wave and then we'll kind of like kind of basically cancel out all the good we've done with the last six weeks. And then, so, you know, I think everyone's goal is to open up as soon as possible. It's just people disagree with about what's the best way to go about that. Um, yeah, but I, th- but I think there's, there's something that we, we talked, we talked this over with Ryan, you know, in our last episode that, you know, yeah, okay, so we let's say we wait another month and we all come out of hiding, we call come out of our foxholes. This the spike's gonna happen then too. So, you know, are we just gonna have to keep on delaying, keep on delaying? And at what point do we just shelter in place for well, forever? You know? I mean, I think in a month or six another six weeks or whenever, people it gives us an extra month or six weeks to develop more tests. It gives us another to, to, to develop more ways to, um, to track and monitor. Sure. And so I get that, you know, like, like, and we can just go ahead and start talking about Georgia. I mean, Georgia's opening, um, up tomorrow. Uh, a lot of, um, I, I don't know if you have the types of businesses that are allowed to open, but it's like hairdressers, gyms, um, nail salons, tattoo parlors, bowling alleys, movie theaters, theaters, um, Some restaurants, some, some restaurants, uh, you know, they're opening tomorrow and by all means that I've read is they are not testing nearly enough people to be, um, to be confident that they're not going to, uh, that they're going to be able to, uh, contain the virus if it starts spreading again in any places. And I've actually looked, if you look on, um, I believe it's, it's the times they do a county sort of like a county by county breakout of of like where hotspots are and georgia has currently has like two hotspots in like southwest georgia yeah um and so how can you be opening up uh um when you 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 know maybe 14 day downward. They're not, they're not meeting the federal guidelines for reopening from what I can tell. Um, and they're going to open up. And, um, I was texting with clay, our, our buddy today. And I said, are you excited to, 
to go back out into the world tomorrow. And he, he laughed. He said, um, yeah, probably most people won't. won't. So yeah. um, I think it's interesting because it does I, – I think Clay's probably right. People are not going to be like out there operating like normal tomorrow. But at the same time, you know, the, will it, will enough people be out that it causes a second sort of shutdown? So I guess we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and it's I mean, and, and this is not really a party thing because you got Trump basically saying that this is a bad idea. You've got right. congressional congressional Republicans. You know, the governor Brian Kemp, he's a Republican. You've got congressional Republicans telling him that this is a bad idea. Um, Doug Collins, who's running for Senate, um, you know, is a, is a representative in, in D.C. He's he thinks he's one of those guys that's basically, you know, railing on Kemp for for opening up. But I mean, this is this is the responsibility of governors here. I mean, if you know, he's got businesses, and these are, these are the businesses that are on this list are businesses that have lost anywhere between seventy five and ninety five percent of their revenue in the last four weeks. Um, so I mean, that's the other thing too. I get it. You know, yeah, this is probably too soon. Yes, he should probably follow the federal guidelines, which I also the, the irony of that is not lost on me with everybody, you know, taking a dump on Trump over everything, but you know, God forbid people don't follow his federal guidelines that his administration have set up, but whatever. Um, But it's, you know, he should follow those federal guidelines because it would at least give him a little bit more cover at the end of the day. Um, Especially since he's tied so closely to, tied his sort of star to to Trump. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're kind of, you're kind of asking for, the worst of both worlds there if you if you don't do that yeah yeah potentially um i the the one thing uh that i think is interesting and and was kind of i was talking um about kind of the future of like until a vaccine gets developed for this um for this uh, virus that you know my i do have faith and we've kind of touched on this previously in previous episodes in that if there is a way for businesses to make money they will figure out how to to sort of set up to operate in this post-covid world right so i was mentioning i was talking to my parents actually about going to football games and i'm like why couldn't they take out um you know every two second and third row and you know every fourth seat or you know only sell tickets you know what i mean like yeah we'll figure out a way to get butts in seats right right safely um and you know they won't well they will they be selling out sixty thousand seat arenas no but maybe they get maybe they get ten thousand fifteen thousand people in there um so you know i think this does force a bit of the conversation of how do you sort of gradually reopen yeah. Um, well, well, I think too that there does have to be a serious conversation about reviewing, like I said, that data about how many people were infected but asymptomatic. Those are the people that can probably go out and maybe return to some sort of normal life. But the people who are the vulnerable populations, the the over sixty crowds, the people who already have compromised immune systems, um. You know, those folks obviously should continue to shelter in place or at least stay away from large crowds. Uh, so I hope the guidelines that the federal government's come out with, which seem seem pretty, pretty decent. I mean, from my untrained eye, um, but keeping the vulnerable populations away longer, allowing the people who have either already had the disease or at least, you know, were asymptomatic if they've been tested to know that. So like you said, ramping up those testing efforts to find out who actually had it. Um, or who didn't, mm-hmm. and then base all your opening up, you know, your opening up economies based on that. Um, and those are the people who can go to the NFL games and college football games in the fall, and everybody else has to stay home and watch it on TV. But but this is again why I think it it's been so imperative and so glaringly lacking is that like the federal government should be sort of like managing this, and at least in the background, at the very least, be like this is what we need to see so that the nation stays safe, right? Like they're, sure. they're, not, they're not looking out for individual states. I mean, they are as part of a nation, but like 
they need to be able to say, you need to meet this criteria before, um, and then they need to help the states get to this. And that's why like this back and forth with like Larry Hogan in Maryland about testing and his wife had to go to, go to um, South, like use her South Korean heritage to basically get a bunch of tests from, from um, South Korea that Maryland could use. Like um, they're not helping us get to the end of this as quickly as possible. Um, and uh, that is, is, you know, it's part of the reason that like, they're, they're telling everyone to open up, but then they're also not helping us get to the point where we can open up safely. So yeah. um, once again, it's like mixed messages. I don't know if you've been watching, like if you ever watch the like five o'clock uh, briefing that Trump does every day. Have you watched any of those? I mean, I did early on just for the sheer comedic value, but <laughs> not since. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, from what I understand, they just become like kind of shouting matches at this point, like yeah. yelling at the press. So, um, you know, it's, it would be nice if, if we had, and, and we've talked about this from even like when we were just kind of like mentioning COVID, it's like this whole responding to this is all about preparedness and then like, you know, facts and science. And like, that's, those are like three things that Trump doesn't do. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, it just like, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like the best case in this, in this scenario is to move slowly and like judiciously and kind of come out of it where we don't have to like go back in as <laughs> go back into, um, shelter in place if, as, as long as we can avoid it. Um, but uh, what I'm in, I tend to, I tend to listen to experts. Maybe, maybe you call me a, um, a sheep for doing so. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, as a conservative, I tend to listen to institutions and wait, did I just call myself a conservative? I think you just did. I was about to ask you about that. When did that epiphany happen? What are you talking about? I, I've always thought of myself as somewhat of a conservative because I like, for change to be gradual and I trust institutions and expertise. And, there you go. Uh, um, God, I'm proud of you. Yeah. Um, I just, I, well, I mean, the, the current conservative movement left me Pete. I know. So what were you gonna say? I was just going to say, I think like, you know, I think Kemp is doing, I, I'm going to give Kemp the benefit of the doubt in Georgia and Georgia that he's, this is coming from a good place. I mean, he is trying to institute from what I've heard, pretty stringent, policies that these businesses have to adhere to in order to do this, you know, these openings of these businesses, you know, people's livelihoods are at stake. Mm -hmm. You know, people have got to pay rent. People got to pay mortgages. People got to pay property taxes. They got to pay employees. They got to pay for their families and health insurance and all that. Um, so I mean, I, I get it. I, you know, as much as I want everything to be open right now, I got, I really want everything to be open right now. Um, I think making sure that we are firmly on that downward trend, that downward trajectory of cases, you know, new cases, people who have recovered and deaths and having that downward mm-hmm. uh, arrow is important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think, you know, George only did their stay at home order, you know, what, two weeks ago, Three. I think. Yeah. Three. Yeah. You know, we're in Illinois when, once this is all said and done, the end of May, we'll have been doing 10 or 11 weeks, I think. Almost three months. Um, so it's, you know, I don't, I, I don't think he's not taking it seriously. I think, I think that's just. Well, he is also the one who we mentioned last time was like, you can get, I didn't realize you could. Right. Symptomatic. Yeah. And, and yeah. And, but yeah, being an idiot doesn't, doesn't mean you don't take it seriously though. I, th- I think. I just, I'd like to think, I hope it's true. And I don't know if it is. I've never talked to this guy. I don't know anybody who works for him, but I'd like to think that he's really just trying to look out for the, for the economy and for these people who have lost pretty much everything over the course of the last month in his state, uh, in terms of their livelihoods and, and ability to make money and support themselves and their families. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, I was, I actually was reading an article today, um, about how Europe has been, you know, they've been hit probably almost as hard as America was with this, but the job, um, but the unemployment numbers are not the, the same. And, um, right. 
And one of the reasons is, is that because of these economies and, you know, there's, they tend to have more socialist leanings, they have, uh, their safety net is a lot stronger and they are able, they have programs in place that essentially are like insurance for, for things like this, where, um, you know, people are getting furloughed and they're, but they're getting, you know, I don't know, three fourths of their paycheck from government programs that have been set up to sort of weather instances like this. So at the end of, um, at the end of whenever their, their shelter in place is, they get to go, they get to, their economy gets to snap back right to life because everyone goes back to work for the most part. Now, obviously mm-hmm. we'll have, there'll be some places that don't come back or, you know, due to the way they have to operate places go out of business. But, um, but for the most part, uh, in, you know, like if, if we had a system where, where that was, where the, 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 the financial livelihood of, of employees and small businesses was not necessarily as much at stake, we could perhaps be focused better on coming out of this the best way scientifically and from a public health con, uh, way of thinking rather than sort of like having to balance the two and kind of not handling either response. Great. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, you know, I think, I think there's an opportunity here to some degree as well and that we can kind of remake or not re- remake, but certainly revamp our economy these days instead of depending on so much goods and materials and things coming from overseas. You know, I think the one thing that, that Trump has brought up, it's, you know, buy American and maybe, maybe we can start bringing back some of these, some manufacturing and some, you know, goods back to the United States where they're made here so that if something like this ever happens, if our economy stalls out because of a public health crisis or, or any type of crisis, it can snap back faster because we have to get back to work to build whatever or make whatever or manufacture or whatever. Um, I mean, I would love for that to be the case. I don't know if that's even feasible or possible, but. Yeah. Yeah. At least buy from democracies like India, you know, where, um, we don't have to worry about like uh, public health messaging and, and yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was just hoping that we could get some, some summer soccer in for my, for my kids, but I don't know, or baseball, but I think, I think it's probably unlikely. Um, have you thought about what you're going to do uh, as the summer rolls, as this, as the school year rolls into summer? No, and I'm too, it's too terrifying. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, with school being done, and I think you know, pretty much all camps are canceled, um, or at least that. the camps that we would send Teddy, you know, Teddy and Leah to. Yeah. Um, you know, as long as there's like stuff, if, if I can go play some golf, walk around a golf course, and hopefully clear my head a little bit. I think I'll be fine as long as our pool opens up and there's rumors that it will open up, but with some pretty strict guidelines, like uh, they're going to split the day into three or four hour increments. You have to sign up for that block so they can control how many people are at the pool at any given time. Um, You know, as long as that happens and that follows through, that will be very helpful. Um, You know, we need the playgrounds to reopen some way, somehow in our parks, in our parks, uh, in our park district. What I um, mean, it's a, you know, people get creative. They'll figure out a way to, yeah, to serve. I mean, um, I don't know that, you know, I, from my understanding, airplanes are not profitable if they're not at like at least 75% capacity. Yeah. So, um, I don't know how you do that, but like, I'm sure they'll figure out a way. They figured out a way to make billions after nine 11. So, um, I'm sure they'll figure out a way now to continue to make money. Well, one thing that's crazy to see too is, you know, the NFL draft is tonight. So, you know, the Las Vegas Raiders, their first ever pick, mm-hmm. um, they each took, put, you know, took a shot of the new stadium and showed it on TV. And then the next shot, they showed the Las Vegas Strip. Not a single vehicle was on the road mm-hmm. in the Las Vegas Strip. Not, a, not one. It was the craziest thing I have ever seen. Mm hmm. Like, you know, Caesars still had like their sign going and showing off, like, you know, highlighting, you know, whatever show is going on in their theater, but not a, 
not one car on the strip at all. I couldn't believe it. It's like 28 days later. It was crazy. I was expecting to see like coyotes and shit just walking around, like wondering where everybody is. It it was unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And you know, I've got pictures. I've got a friend who lives in the West loop in Chicago and she goes for a run. Um, and she posted some pictures of her last run over by the Chicago theater, you know, which is right by, you know, my office and your office and Mm -hmm. not a single person. She's like taking pictures and there's nobody around. Like there's like the CTA guy, you know, at the, and on the bus and that's it. Yeah. So like, it's amazing. Like how all these towns, all these cities, all these major economic hubs are locked down and not doing anything. And I mean, it's got to be scary. So I'm not worried about the casino industry and in, in Vegas. I think, you know, within a, within a couple months, they're going to be doing just fine once everything reopens. Once we get there. Um, what's that? Once we get there. Yeah, once we get there. <laughs> uh, so, but um, that was one thing I did want to bring up, though, is that the mayor of Las Vegas basically saying, we will be the test case. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> we will open up and we will be the test case for America. And it made me think about how Vegas has had crazy mayors so the the the, the last mayor that i knew of was oscar goldman and oscar goldman was the attorney to the chicago outfit when they were basically skimming all the casinos in vegas so he was featured in like casino and like he had there was composites of him in multiple other like you know mafia movies that had to do with vegas and he ended up becoming mayor of las vegas and i was like you know that sounds like something oscar goldman would do but i knew that the current mayor is a woman and uh, so I was like, well, I don't even know who the mayor of, I don't even know what her name is. And I was like, oh, her name's Carolyn Goodman. I was like, ah, oh, it's his wife. Is it really? It's Oscar Goodman's wife is now the govern is now the mayor of Las Vegas. I was like, oh, it makes total sense because they're both whack jobs. The more you know. Oh, my God. So he was mayor until 2011 and then she won and she took over. And then I heard a rumor that their son wants to run for mayor when her term limits are up. Um, so it's pretty funny. Well, one thing you can get on the Politics and Bros podcast is always a, a nice Vegas story or reference. Absolutely. Thank you, Pete. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll see where these states go from here, but um, we in Illinois will be here for a while. We'll be here for a while. Uh, so finishing off for the evening, um, are you into anything these days? Um. Nothing particularly new, uh, and that's kind of been my problem. It was the same problem I had in our last episode talking with Ryan. I've been trying to find something that I can do more with, like my hands, mm-hmm. um, you know, building or restoring or something. And I just haven't really figured out what that is. Mm-hmm. But um, since then, I've been playing a ton of online poker tournaments <laughs> with <laughs> friend with friends and acquaintances, um, all on pokerstars.net uh, doing home games where, you know, you Venmo a guy or buy in and cause you have to do it with play chips. Um, so I've got five games going right now, regular games. Like right now, right at the second. No, uh, one with some bo- from buddies back from DC who actually we were supposed to play tonight, but I I'm the host and I couldn't do it. So another one of them set it up. Um, I've got one where I'm, I got involved with uh, a game in Texas and it's 60 people and it's Monday nights. Mm-hmm. Um, another one my brother-in-law put together that we're doing once a week, usually on Fridays, sometimes Saturdays. Uh, and then a couple other ones from random people uh, and then cash games on a different poker app that's on your phone. Um, so I've been really into that. I've been playing a ton of online poker more than I ever thought I would. Um, but it just made me realize like how much I miss live poker and that mm-hmm. I need to I'm dying to get to a casino. Um, it really doesn't help, you know, scratch that itch. Unfortunately, well, maybe, maybe Indiana will open up here soon and we can, uh, can go to the casino. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be really nice. But like I said, I really want to, I really want to figure out something to do um, with my hands. Like I got it. I want to build or restore or something. Um, you know, the weather sucks and we really haven't had a chance to do like gardening or anything or, potting you know get some new flowers in the in our in our in our potting beds or soil beds yeah um so that's that's a potential thing that we could i could do here maybe in may but um yeah that's pretty much it man how about you uh not much along the same lines of you though like i've i've been trying to like think of way things to do to just like develop a skill or 
or learn something while, while this has been going on. And I don't think I'm alone. Either of us are alone in sort of that aspiration. Um, yeah. But like I started juggling. <laughs> Seriously? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> juggling. Um, I've been trying to teach myself some songs on, on my daughter's piano that, that like I've always kind of wanted to learn to play on the piano. Nice. Um, and uh, I even have been like taking some classes on, on sort of Khan Academy. Like I've been trying to learn, to, I've always wanted to know about like electrical current and sort of understand that better because sure. I'd love to be able to do stuff in the house if needed yep. um, without killing myself. So just kind of even understanding like the difference between current and charge and, um, you know, grounding, all that stuff. Uh, so yeah, I would say, um, self-betterment is what I'm into. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's pretty much canceled out by all the screaming I do during the day, but, uh, um, no, I'm self-betterment is what I'm into for, for the time being. That's pretty good though. That's I mean, like, you know, I know you're kind of, you're, you're somewhat joking about the screaming thing, but you know, we do need to find it's this, this whole thing has kind of forced me to think about how I manage my stress and my anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I get, I'm a pretty anxious person already. And I don't know if that comes from being, you know, Greek and coming from loud fam, loud family and a family that, you know, are, are you measure our love by how loud we're yelling at one another. Um, you know, I, so I do want to figure out ways to manage my stress and anxiety and, and be more constructive and kind of turn my, those thoughts when I'm, when I'm upset and into something a little bit better. Um, so I'm still, I, I struggle with that every day and, you know, them three kids in your case, two kids at home is not ideal to find that those moments of Zen yeah. <laughs> at all. Um, at all. It made me think about, um, going to a therapist, but, um, and then yeah. you think about, uh, Ozark. Did we talk about Ozark and, uh, it, it, how it ended? No, we have not talked about it. I, I, I think, um, for those who, uh, listen and may watch Ozark, uh, we're probably going to talk about some spoilers. So you might want to turn it off at this point, but, um, uh, what <laughs> do you think of, of the season and, and sort of how it, how it ended? I think the uh I think obviously the lawyer lost the trust of the uh of our of the of the cartel. Yeah. Um I don't know, it's interesting because at the end of the in the end of last season, not this season, but the end of the last season, obviously Wendy had uh she'd become the alpha. And I think that got kind of perpetuated in this season for sure, as yeah. she was, you know, wanting to control more of the decisions and mm-hmm. she wanted that life that she had before where she was a, a hotshot political, you know, consultant and kingmaker and all that. Yeah. Um, but really they sort of ended up on equal footing this time at the end of the season where yeah. they were both, they, they, they're both in it together again. And it's not just one, you know, season one was all about, you know, Jason Bateman's character sort of trying to get them out of, out from underneath this, you know, this problem. And mm-hmm. then, when you know the second one laura linney's character buying into it in the second season and really embracing it and then kind of showcasing that all throughout the third season and but now with the death of her brother or you know her brother getting killed and her being the reason why that happened basically uh and you know jason bateman getting kidnapped to go taken down to mexico and really admit everything to the cartel i kind of feel like they're all they're they're in the same spot now they're both they're both in it together so I'm really I can't wait for the next season. But aren't they aren't they limiting it to like only five seasons? I think so. Two more seasons. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, well, what did you think about um, Ben dying? Like, were you invested in that character, or did you like? It was pretty. I thought it was pretty powerful the way it happened. I think it was powerful too. I knew I knew something. I had a feeling something like that was going to happen. I didn't know that they were going to kill the lawyer. I'm blanking on her name. Uh-huh. Helen. Um, Helen. I knew they were going to kill Helen or I knew somebody had to get killed, uh-huh. but I didn't know it was going to happen then. I had, I, I thought they were going to carry it on to the next season. Cause I was really interested to see how much more Helen could undermine. Right. It um, just happened in that last episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. I really wanted to see her challenge, 
uh, for power of the casino and for the operation in, in, in the Ozarks. Right. Um, right. but obviously I guess that's what, that's what made her being killed. Right. So much more powerful. Yeah. Right. Cause it kind so of, what about, what'd you, what'd you think? Oh, I, I thought it was the best season so far. And, and I yeah. thought sort of, there's almost like the way that, that, um, Nelson like took out the, the, uh, the therapist and then Wendy's brother, like the way they do it now, they don't even, sh- it's just like, he just shows up with like a body bag and it's right. like, there's something very like sort of, um, powerful and morose about that and just kind of like the way it's just business and it's just like, you know what I mean? And it's just, um, it's just startling almost and how nonchalant everyone can be about it and just kind of how these are their lives now. And, you know, they, they really have kind of broken bad. Um, yeah. Like the uh, writing is so good. I can't get over how good the writing is. Yeah. Yeah. So like I was, I, I think I watched the new season and like, you know, with a couple days off, I probably watched it in a week. Yeah. Um, And you know, it, it, it was definitely like, like eye candy. Um, I watched it in five days. So you could say that's what we're both in. We were both into uh, yeah. a good way to, to end this, but yeah. Um, I can't, I'm looking forward to next season already. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Okay, buddy. Well, cool, man. Hang in there. Go back. Same and watch to you. Track. Same to our listeners. Hang in there. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at, at uh, bros politics. Find the podcast on wherever you get your podcasts. Um, not, not wherever we're only on Spotify or iTunes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Details, whatever. The yeah. only two places anybody ever gets their podcast from. I mean, you know, one guy did tell me, Oh man, I can't, I'm on Google podcast. I'm like, what's that? So, <laughs> um, Bob, That's a thing. Bob, if you're out there, I apologize if you found out a way to listen to us. Um, but yeah, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify, um, and, and tell your friends. And hopefully we're going to get to go to a casino. Exactly. All right, man. All right, man. Signing off. All right. Good night. Good night. What could possibly go wrong? When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration. And Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.